It's the art of war. I'm teaching you guys how to handle conflict today, all right? So come on in, y'all. Let's talk about it. My name is Leah Huggins. I'm a wife, a mother, and a proud U.S. Navy veteran. After two tours to Iraq, my husband was diagnosed with PTSD. My world spiraled out of control as fear, anxiety, doubt, and depression took over. I gave my life to Christ, took on a new mindset, and let go of the negativity of my past. I now help wives to find healing, encouragement, and strategy to overcome the effects of PTSD on their daily lives and in their marriage. So come on in and let's talk about it. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. This is the place where we empower women to support their spouse through PTSD without losing themselves in the process. I'm your host, Coach Leah, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. All right, you guys, we got a good topic for you today, all right? Today, I'm gonna give you a few tips on how to handle conflict. Conflict can be a part of any type of relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic. Um, It can happen in every type of relationship, whether it's a business or a friendship or family or whatever. You know, as long as you're dealing with somebody outside of yourself, there's always the potential for conflict. Okay, everybody has their own opinions and their own views. And to be honest, there can be times where there's conflict within yourself. Right. But that's a whole different topic and a whole different episode. All right. So every relationship is going to experience conflict on some level. Now, the difference is how you deal with it. So I think that the more deeper a relationship is or the more meaningful a relationship is, the more impact that conflict is going to have on that relationship. All right. And that's because when you're dealing with somebody you have feelings for, you bring your emotions into it. All right. We're just wired that way. You're giving them your heart and you're trusting them with it. All right. Matters of the heart are most difficult to get through because you're bringing all of your emotions into it. And we end up putting our heart in it. And when our heart is hurt, that is what can cause emotional wounds. And that's why the Bible tells you to protect your heart, because from it flows all the issues of life. Your heart governs you. It controls the way that you think and it controls the way that you behave. That's why the Bible also tells us that our heart is deceitful because your emotions are going to lie to you. All right. They'll have you feeling ways that you shouldn't be feeling because it's based on what's in your mind and not really what the reality is. All right. Then you'll begin to act out of frustration and out of pain. And you'll act out on the people that are around you, especially the ones that are closest to you. And then what do they do? They turn around and they act on their emotions. All right. Conflict can destroy a relationship. Now, studies show that 70 percent of marriages that are dealing with PTSD end in divorce. And I've said this before, PTSD affects the whole house, not just the person that has experienced the trauma. All right. As the spouse, you are the one that's closest to them. And a lot of times you end up on the receiving end of the drama. They lash out on you because you're the one that's there. A lot of times it's misplaced anger and misplaced aggression your marriage and your home, they can become extremely toxic and volatile. And the smallest disagreement can blow up and it can rip your relationship apart. There's a loss of trust and a loss of respect and love can grow cold. And y'all know the song, love don't live here anymore. (laughs) I don't have the money to pay for that song. All right. Now, 
Let me explain myself on this anger and aggression thing. All right. Because I've also said before that I don't believe that they're mad for nothing. Right. There's a reason behind their anger. PTSD does not cause all the problems in your relationship. But what it does is to remove the filter where you're no longer able to control how those emotions come out, how they show up on the outside. Those emotions are often misplaced and it it may seem like they're going off on you for no reason, but deep down there is a reason. There is a just cause. And that's why it's important for you to work on your relationship by first working on yourself. You got to deal with your part of the issues that you face in your relationship. You got to do what you have the power to do. Okay. Some things are in your control and in your ability to change. Hostility and conflict will tear your family apart, okay? There is no growth in a hostile and toxic environment. The rates of divorce and abuse and violence are much higher in families that are dealing with PTSD. And it's not because of irreconcilable differences or not being able to get along. The truth is PTSD can cause a divide in your relationship and you'll end up having trust issues and misdirected or mishandled anger and more time spent apart. And all of these are issues that your relationship can experience. A lot of times as women, we go through and we suffer in silence. I spent a lot of time, years even, pretending that everything was okay when it really wasn't. Everything around me was affected inside and out. And and at a point, it seemed like my world had begun to spiral out of control. I began to disconnect myself emotionally and I fell into this deep depression of my own. And it had to be one of the lowest points of my life. I was being controlled by fear and anxiety and doubt. PTSD will attack your marriage in one particular area, okay? And that is your connection, your connection with each other, your connection with yourself, and even your connection with God. The goal of the enemy is what? We know this is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And how does he do this? He divides and conquers. Now, the problem that families are facing today is that we're not equipped to deal with the challenges and the changes that are brought on by the effects of trauma. As I said before, they they may have a valid reason for being upset, but because of the condition of their mind in that moment, especially if it's fueled by alcohol or drugs, it can make it even worse. They're not going to be open to communicate with you. At this point, their only goal is to just get it off of their chest. Let's face it, it can happen in the heat of the moment. We can lose our cool and we can be drawn into a fight. You know, emotions can run hot and they can get the best of you. And pretty soon you'll find yourself on a runway train destined for disaster. There's some things that cannot be taken back once they're released into the atmosphere. Your reckless words and actions in a moment, it can change the course of your relationship forever. So in a battle, you know, the objective is to what? To win. You want to overpower your opponent in a crushing defeat, right? You want to shut them down no matter what the cost. And oftentimes when we're dealing with a loved one that's suffering from PTSD, constant conflict will feel just like this. Hurt people, hurt people. Y'all know the saying. They want you to feel and experience the same kind of pain that they're feeling. And when a person is in this kind of emotional state, there's no limits to what they're going to do. They're blinded by rage and they can be lashing out to release the anger and the frustration that's been building up inside of them. So the key to handling conflict is, first of all, try your best not to get involved. Right. There's wisdom and power in staying silent. 
It'll prevent you from creating more problems and doing more damage. Proverbs chapter 21 says, the one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Just shut up, right? (laughs) You don't have to get your point across all the time. You don't have to get the last word because at that point, you're not trying to resolve the issue. You're just trying to win the argument. If you see the situation turning, just simply walk away. Choose to end the conversation. You know, just let them know. All right, babe, we're getting too heated. All right, let's take a break and let's talk about it once we both calm down. All right, because we don't want it to get ugly. (laughs) Now, if they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, don't attempt to have a reasonable conversation with them. Okay, don't waste your time. You can't reason with a drunk spirit. Okay, you can't cast a drunk spirit out either. All right, anything you say, can and will be held against you. Can I get an amen from somebody that's been there? Okay. They're not interested in coming to a resolution. They simply want to argue. All right. Drunk people always want to fight. (laughs) At that point, they don't have the mental capacity to reason. They're being led by their emotions, which are under the influence. And there goes that deceitful heart again, lying to them and making them act on these emotions. In their mind, they're right. And that's all there is to it. Listen to what James has to say. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's from James chapter four. So in other words, what's really upsetting them is the fact that they can't have what they want. And because they can't have what they want, they lash out at others. Now, this it goes beyond a cry for attention or the need for sex or respect or any kind of material possession. What is it that your heart is really longing for? The answer is simple. It's love. Love in its purest and most natural form. We all want to be loved. Everything that the heart or soul could ever desire is wrapped up in love. Love protects It covers, it builds up, it forgives, it heals, it casts out fear. It places no blame, it it does not doubt. Love is being accepted. It's total emotional security. And when you're secure, you're at peace and you don't have to fight to get it. What James is trying to get us to see is that all along we've been looking for love in all the wrong places. God is love and everything that we need is in him. All we have to do is just simply ask and be willing to receive from him. But unfortunately, everybody does not have this same revelation. And so because they don't get what they want, they feel they have to fight for it. Now, abuse of any kind should never be tolerated. Never make excuses for it. Don't blame yourself and don't justify their action because of their mental condition. That person has to take accountability for their own actions and they have to face the consequences of their own behavior. Remember, you can't force someone to take accountability for the things that they've done that offended you until they're ready to do it for themselves and in their own time. Now, I'm not good at arguing, all right? But my husband is, all right? He can present his case clearly and passionately and he'll make all the right points and bring it on home to a close. Okay. But unfortunately I'm not gifted with that skill. Okay. I can't do that. 
Most times I end up thinking about what I should have said way after the conversation is ended. All right. I'll go back and have a whole conversation with myself and then I'll say all the stuff that I needed to say <laughs> back when I should have said it. All right. I'm really good at coming up with these great zingers that would have shut the whole thing down if I would have said it while I still had him in front of me. Okay. <laughs> Words can build you up or they can tear you down. They can heal you or they can cut you. And the question is, how are you going to respond? You can't be responsible for anyone's behavior, but your own. It takes two to fix a marriage, but it starts with one. And that's working on yourself. The Bible says we should let our words be seasoned with grace and with love. You got to think before you speak. The word says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. You have to practice active listening. Wait for your turn to talk rather than listening for the opening where you can jump in and make your point. Listen to what the other person is saying. This goes beyond just hearing their emotions because that can distort the message. But you have to listen to hear what is on their heart. You got to get to what the real issue is and acknowledge the part that you played in it and then work together to come to a solution or some sort of agreement. It also helps when you learn and, and you understand how your spouse communicates. If two people are communicating in two different ways, then the message is going to get lost. All right. Now, my husband is a fusser. All right. He will fuss y'all. OK, he's naturally wired that way. <laughs> all right. But if you fuss at me, I shut down. OK. And all I'm going to be thinking about is how to get out of this conversation. So he'll be fussing and trying to get his point across. And then I won't hear his heart because all I hear is I'm being attacked. And then I'll be busy trying to figure out how to get him to leave me alone. All right. And nothing gets resolved. Your point of view is going to be based on your individual past and your knowledge. So communication is going to be made up of what you say. And that's your words. How you say it. That's your tone. And the spirit in which you say it, that's your attitude, all right? So your words, your tone, and your attitude. Now, the right combination of these three things will deliver the right message, the right way, and at the right time, all right? Your timing is everything. You have to look for healthy ways to communicate what you're feeling. Take your time and breathe and construct your sentence in a way that's going to clearly communicate your intentions while considering what the other person is feeling. And you also have to learn how to see things from the other person's point of view. We call that empathy. Empathy is being able to look at the situation through their eyes. So like Jesus, we're supposed to have compassion. All right. I noticed this in Matthew, um, Matthew chapter nine. It talks about how Jesus was looking at a crowd of people that had come to him for healing. And it says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Have you checked out the PTSD Wives Handbook? This book is for the wife whose spouse has survived trauma and is now navigating through mood swings, flashbacks, and mishandled emotions. PTSD can create a toxic home environment and cause a divide in the closest and most meaningful relationships. As a caretaker, the PTSD wife is finding herself at the receiving end of anger, aggression, and constant negativity. This can create a personal, mental, and spiritual health crisis for her. In this book, Coach Leah uncovers the hidden wounds of trauma and the effects that it can have on your relationship. 
Based on biblical principles, she teaches you the tools and resources that are needed to handle stressful situations and to seek help from the Lord and foster a deeper relationship with Him. By reading this book and putting the principles into action, you're going to learn how to take control of your life and grab hold of the power that lies within. Grab your copy of the PTSD Wives Handbook today by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. These people were afflicted. They were going through it, y'all, all right? Whether it was in their body or in their mind. And Jesus was able to look past what he saw, what they showed on the outside. And he was able to recognize what the real problem was. Now, when you're dealing with PTSD, you're actually dealing with a spiritual issue, all right? The mind is affected by whatever trauma it was that they went through, all right? We already know that the mind is so powerful that whatever's going on in the mind, it can manifest physically in the body. And so with PTSD, you have a spiritual issue because trauma has wounded you emotionally. And it sets off these physical effects. And some of them can be so bad that they turn into actual medical conditions. Now, when you're dealing with PTSD and conflict is involved, you know, you're not just dealing with the issue. On top of that issue, you're also going to be dealing with the pain of that person's past. You're going to be dealing with all the hurt and the frustration that they've had bottled up. And you're also going to be dealing with their inability to express themselves in a rational way. And it's your job not to get caught up in the emotions of everything and to try your best not to get drawn into the fight. But you got to see past all the dramatics and actually get to the heart of the issue and what the real problem is. And then you have to take accountability. All right. It takes two people to build a relationship up and it takes two people to break it down. In most cases, the dissolution of a marriage is never one-sided, all right? Whether you want to admit it or not, there's always a cause to every effect. Taking accountability is more than just admitting guilt and saying that you're sorry. When you're accountable, you take ownership for your words and for your actions, and you take responsibility for the ripple effect that it may have caused. It's not about placing blame on someone else, you know, like I did this only because you said this or you did this. You are in charge of your own behavior. The things that you say and do for the most part are your choices. They're based on your decisions. Whatever you say, it was on your mind. It's the same thing with your actions. If you did it, it was in your mind to do it. If your intention is to hurt someone and you act on it, you have to take accountability for that. Even if you hurt them and it wasn't your intention, you still have to take accountability. All right. You have to make that situation right. You got to admit it and take full responsibility and do what you can to make amends for what you've done. In the Bible, we talk about repentance. All right. To repent means to turn away from a negative behavior or to stop doing something in order to get back on track and headed in the right direction. Repentance is often accompanied by forgiveness and a restoration of what should have been or, or a promise of better things that are to come. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 is famous. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. When you ask for forgiveness, it should be granted. All right. And to be honest, forgiveness is not the hardest thing. That is another episode we're going to be getting into. Because there's a whole lot that goes with forgiveness and people don't understand that forgiveness is not just to let somebody off the hook. Forgiveness is actually 
part of the healing process for you, for yourself. You don't want to hold in bitterness and anger because it can eat away at you. But I'm getting off topic. All right. Um, You can be offended and you can be holding on to this grudge and that can block future blessings from getting to you. When you take accountability and you ask for forgiveness and you change your ways, you change what you're doing, then forgiveness can be granted and your mistakes won't keep you from what should be rightfully yours, right? And in this context, that's going to be a healthy, productive relationship and unity and togetherness. Now, I've learned this lesson over time, okay? You can't wait for someone to admit to what your version of what happened is, all right? Or how they made you feel, all right? Yes, Part of the apology is acknowledging that someone was hurt, but your version of the truth may not be their version. All right. Can I get an amen? (laughs) That goes the other way around. Their version of the truth may not be yours. You know, they they may not even see things the way that you do. All right. That may be an apology that you may never get. All right. The issue won't be resolved and you can end up holding on to anger and bitterness and they may never admit that they did you wrong. All right. But how many of you know that'll eat you up inside? All right. You're just hurting yourself. What you'll find is that you'll end up becoming stuck and you'll mentally be stuck in that same place and in that same time. All right. You won't grow. There'll be no progress. You won't move forward. You're just stuck until you let it go. And this is why it's important that you forgive not just the people that have offended you, but forgive yourself as well. All right. This is what is going to help you to move on so that you won't be stuck and you can heal from it. Now, for today's coaching moment, we're going to practice empathy. Okay. Again, we're not excusing toxic behavior. We're not tolerating abuse. This exercise is simply just to help you with being able to see things from another point of view. All right. So I want you to grab your journals and your favorite pen and let's go on and get started. Okay. Now, I want you to think about an argument or a disagreement that you have with someone, all right? I want you to think about what happened, what was said, how you felt, how you reacted, and then I want you to write a story about the situation, but I want you to write it from their perspective, okay? In that story, I want you to address these questions. All right, the first question. In what way were you being critical of them? All right. I'm talking about you. How were you critical of this person in that situation? What faults or mistakes or shortcomings of theirs did you bring up in the argument? Did you hit below the belt? I want you to examine that. If you did, in what way? What did you say? What did you do? And what was your reasoning behind that? I want you to examine your thought process in that moment. All right. And then I want you to think about what the disagreement was over. All right. What point was that person trying to make? Were they upset about something that happened just one time? Or is it something that was a continuing pattern? How did what you say or what you did make them feel? Like really think about it. Put yourself in that position and think about how you would feel if the same thing happened to you. And then I want you to make a list of all the emotions that you would feel. Then I want you to consider their past. All right. What have they experienced or what have they gone through that might have been triggered by your actions? Are you aware of their triggers? 
If you're in a relationship, you should be aware of the things that may set them off. All right. Make a list of their triggers. And then right next to each one of them, I want you to make a mark next to any of the triggers that you activated in this situation during that argument. Now, I want you to rewrite the story of that situation. All right. Instead of telling me what happened, I want you to tell me what should have happened. I want you to take into consideration everything that you've discovered in this episode. All right. How should that conversation have gone? How could the situation have been handled differently? All right. I want you to write all of that down. Now that you're able to see things differently, it's up to you to go and make amends. All right. The goal is not for you to take the blame, but for you to take accountability and then work towards finding a solution and working together to make things right. All right, you guys, that's my time for today. All right. I hope that something was said to make you feel better and to let you know that you're not alone. You know, there's power in community. All right. And there's strength in unity. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme, (laughs) but you get my point. Okay. Let's be helpers to one another because someone is going through the very thing that you have survived. All right. We got to reach back and we have to help our sisters. We have to help our brothers and we have to help each other and give them hope and let them know that you can make it. If I can do it, you can do it. Let them see that there is hope and there is help for them. All right. Now I want you to find somebody and love on them this week. All right. Be the light that somebody else needs to see. All right, you guys, that is my time for today. Be sure to check us out every Tuesday for a new episode, all right? And I wanna hear from you guys. I wanna hear your stories, your testimonies, your questions, or maybe even throw out some show topics that you'd like to hear in the future, all right? You can connect with me on my website or on my social media platform at I am Coach Leah, all right? All of that information is in the show notes. All right, you guys, that is my time for today. I want you to be encouraged, be empowered, and be blessed. Peace, y'all.